Jack Rich from Alcoholic. Yeah. Love being sober. Love being here. And I want to thank myself for coming out this evening. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, and I, I, I know people struggle with that. Uh, I am egotistical, but that's got nothing to do with it. Uh, I, I want to thank myself for being here. And um, my friend, Father Leo, and I were just busting each other's balls about how involved are you in this? How involved? You know, because you always hear these people, you know, God willing, God willing, God willing. You know, I'm pretty sure if there is a God, that God is always willing. But the trouble is, Jack has not been willing a whole bunch of times. When you're out there getting high, getting drunk, doing whatever you're doing, are you blaming God for it? God's fault? God did that to you? God tore your life apart? God destroyed you? God did this? That's how I was when I got here. I crawled up a sewer ditch, went there. I was going to slit my wrists in the sewer ditch in this pipe because I didn't want my family to find my body. And uh, I remember crawling out of there and saying, fuck you, fuck you, hit me with it, fuck you, and cursing God for it. So now I show up, and God may be the power, may be the juice in the vehicle, but I am the vehicle, and I thank myself for showing up. You know, and if you're new, maybe you might want to thank yourself for doing something good. I heard this lady in a meeting one time, she said, it's real hard, you know, she goes, I understand the new person. It's really hard to do something good for yourself when you hate yourself so much. And that's a trouble with the alcoholic, you know, and then Al-Anon, they talk about it. We hate ourselves, you know, and, and they say, you know, they tell the Al-Anon people, leave them alone, man. They feel bad enough already. I know what it feels like when I don't got a couple of cocktails in me and a couple of drinks, man. Uh, I had a kid at the end of my drinking, my daughter and, uh, you know, they were living somewhere else, you know, and, and, you know, separated. I'm not paying child support, you know, all that business. I'd be out drinking and on the blow and doing whatever I'm doing. All of a sudden around two or three o'clock in the morning when the cocaine starts wearing off. All of a sudden, I want to see the baby. I want to see the baby. I go over there, pound on that door at the house. This crappy place they were living at because I wasn't giving them any child support money. They're living in this crappy place. I remember the last time I did it, I went and pounded on that door. And I went in there to see the baby. The mom woke up. You know, she's working a couple of jobs and using welfare, doing whatever she can to stay there. And I remember getting the baby out of the crib. And she goes, what are you doing? Stop, stop, stop. You know, and I grabbed that sleeping baby out of the crib. And I put her next to me. And I wanted to smell her. Because if you've ever been to jail, you know there's a smell in jail that doesn't come off with a shower. Gets stuck in the nose. It's oil base. Doesn't come off. You can wash all you want. You can still smell it. And I'd get next to that little baby, and I'd hold that little baby right up here to my face, and I smelled her, and she smelled pure. She didn't smell like I smelled. And the next thing I know, I'm laying on, their back, on my back, and there's no baby in my arms, and her mom's crying. And I got two bloody trails dripping out of my nose. I had passed out, went down, and my nose started bleeding from both sides. Because the quality of the cocaine doesn't matter when you have run out. And uh, anyway, I just got up and called her a bitch and left. And, uh, you know, that's what was going on when I got here. So when my kid calls me, or writes me from somewhere far in their travels and says, dad, can you write something spiritual for me? Can you 
Can you send me something? Can you do this? When I walk in the bathroom, I look at my eyes in the mirror and I say, thanks. Thanks for staying sober. Thanks for paying your child support. Thanks for being a dad. Not a sperm donor, a dad. There's a big difference. So, uh, oh God, I didn't want to start like that. Uh, <laughs> that's my joke. Give me a definition of a good dad. There it is, right there. <laughs> you know, and I, I and and I'll stop it right there. Uh, you know, for our new friends, I'm stoked you're here, and uh, I always wonder where you going. Which way are you going? So I turned 35 years sober a couple of weeks ago, and. Uh, I watch for the last 35 years. I watch. I watch. I may be screwing around on my phone sometimes, but I'm listening to every word you say. Every word. And I watch these new people. And I always wonder which way are you going? Because to some people, this is the last house on the block going that way. This is it. It's here, boom, jail, whatever, death. But to some other people, this is the first house out of the wilderness. The first comfortable house out of the wilderness. And you walk in here and you're going another way. But the issue is, I think you need to fall in love with Alcoholics Anonymous. And we do not always give the new person something to fall in love with. I'm in a meeting the other day. Like I said, I travel. I'm sitting in this meeting and... Uh, I sit there, nobody knows me. I walk in, I sit down. And this guy with a message of depth and weight, straight out of the big book, fucking abused me. Came up to me and started hammering on me about what he does for Alcoholics Anonymous, what his crew does for Alcoholics Anonymous, and what his sponsees do for Alcoholics Anonymous. Bam, 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 bam. I'm a real alcoholic. I'm, he's a real alcoholic. We're real alcoholic. What are you doing here? Boom, 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 boom. I finally got, I was nice and nice and nice and nice. And then finally, it's just like, yeah, fuck you, man. I go, you know what, bitch? I got 34 years. Go find somebody else to fucking beat up on, champ. Oh, my God. A message out of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous? I can doubt it. <laughs> I've been all through that book I used to do a book study at my house on Monday nights Monday night you come over a book study at my house that room would be packed no we don't do nothing quick serenity prayer and we're into it and I was the only one sharing one line at a time I was shoving that book up people's asses you could leave and come back two months later, and we're on the same paragraph. I'm spending a month on the word rarely. I had a new guy say to me one time, he goes, how long does this last? I go, bitch, you're gonna have about five years when you get out of this thing, man. And, and, and don't be offended, bitch is non-gender specific, so take it easy. Anyway. So I'll tell you about that, getting into that book. And this is what you get out of me. So don't invite me back if that's what you don't like it. So uh, it's not, after you get like over 30 years, you can start doing a little more of whatever you want. 
Like the other day I took a chip and didn't share. I go, yeah, if I feel like raising my hand, I will. So anyway, so uh, so you're allowed to do more stuff like that. And um, it's like when your grandfather gets old, he shits himself, you kind of let it go. And, uh, so, anyway, so, so let me tell you what happened. After being sober for a while, I start getting into the big book, right? I'm getting in and I'm really getting in. Like I'm in like an alcoholic gets in when an alcoholic's in. You know what I mean? Like when we get, then we're going, we're going, we're going. So I get that big book and I'm going nuts. I'm hunting down anybody that's still alive, anybody that was involved, old dictionaries, going crazy, tearing that book apart, word by word, line by line, phrase by phrase, going to meetings and listening to people share. And when they said something that was crazy, I'd come up to them and go, Where, where'd you get that? They'd go, well, I got it from my sponsor who got it from his sponsor. I go, well, then your grand sponsor's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Unbelievable. And all through the meeting, I'd be mumbling while people are sharing. Bullshit. That's bullshit. And I would confront people afterwards. Confrontations. Crazy. It got to the point that it was Jack Grisham party of one at the meeting. So I'm tearing apart the big book. Now, if that's not enough, I start tearing apart the New Testament. And I am an agnostic. I got priest friends that say, I have never heard an agnostic quote scripture as much as you do. Because I quote a whole shitload of scripture. And I got a little scripture for you for these people that call themselves sponsors in the meetings. Matthew 23, 8. Do not call yourself rabbi. Do not call yourself instructor. Do not call yourself teacher. There is one God and we are all equal underneath that God. The reason why these people adopt those names is so they can get the best seat at the table. And somewhere down the line, people forgot that sponsor means servant, not master. Big difference. Our love and service, those two tenants have now been replaced by knowledge and control. Anyway, <laughs> this is the way it goes. So I'm tearing apart the big book. I start tearing apart the New Testament. And it's much easier to find people that were alive when the big book was being written than there's the other book, right? You know what I mean? I can't, I can't come up to somebody and go, hey, come on, man. Really? 12 of you in Galilee? What was the real count on that, man? You know, it's like, it's like the 100 in the big book. Yeah, that, that's right. Anyway, uh, sounds good, though. 100 sounds better than eight. So uh, anyway, so I start tearing apart the New Testament, and I end up getting a... Uh, I get a spiritual advisor, a Jesuit brother, who's a spiritual advisor. And I go and knock on his door and that's what it would say, spiritual advisor on his door. And uh, we'd go in and we'd discuss theory, theory, theory. So one day I roll in, man, and I'm tearing apart the big book, going crazy, tearing apart the New Testament, going crazy. And I roll into brother Charlie's place and I go, hey, Charlie, man. I go, what do you think's the best translation of that book? What's the best translation? Because I'm going to learn Aramaic. I'm in. I'm going to get love and service tattooed on my back in Aramaic. 
And uh, I'm actually in an Aramaic Bible study, which is so sad. But anyway, uh, so I'm in. And Brother Charlie looks at me and he says, man, and he shakes his head. And he says, it is such a shame that you're that hung up on the words. I go, huh? He goes, I don't want to hear another word of scripture coming out of your mouth. He goes, as a matter of fact, I want you to shut that book and I want you to stop it. I want you to stop it. And when you take your walk out on the beach in the mornings, because I take a walk out on the mornings on the beach, he goes, I want you to ask God to walk with you and I want you to keep your mouth shut and I want you to listen. So I walked out on that beach and I kept my mouth shut. I listened. People talk about meditation and the big book and the, the line meditation of the big book, it's really contemplation. That's what they're talking about. Meditation to a Christian, it's contemplation. It means read something, think about it. Read something, think about it. Bill even says it in the 11th step when he goes in the 12 and 12. He says, read it. What do you think about this? Think, think. They want you to think. Nowadays, they tell you, don't think, don't think, don't think, which is just crazy. Don't think. It's fucking nuts. I went to the gym, got a trainer, had him do my lifting for me. A year later, I'm still fat as shit. He's looking good. If you're brand new, you better start learning how to think around here. Anyway, he says, I want you to walk out on that beach, and I want you to be quiet, and I want you to listen. And I walked out on that beach, and I had a spiritual awakening. Now, I've never had a pleasant spiritual awakening. I don't know about you, but all my spiritual awakenings have always been, ah, fuck. Because <laughs> all of a sudden I see myself that I couldn't see before. New shit has come to light. Anyway, in this spiritual awakening, what I realized I was doing by tearing apart that big book line by line, word by word, phrase by phrase, I was trying to control the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. If I could pin you down to a line, to a phrase, here it is, black and white, on this page in the big book, then I control this program. And also what I realized at that time, by tearing apart the New Testament the way I was, is I was trying to control my God. If I could pin my God down to a line in red, then I knew what God thought. It wasn't a very pleasant awakening. And the strange thing was, man, when I got home, I looked back at that big book that was so rigid, man, so rigid, so right there. And I picked up that book and it was like Babel. It was like all of a sudden, nothing made sense. It was like I had never seen that big book before. And I looked at it. And I'm looking for the, the firm. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. And the first place I went is that third step prayer. And one of our birthday guys mentioned the line out of the third step prayer. And I love that prayer. And we tell our new guys, learn this prayer, say this prayer, repeat this prayer. And that's great. It's bitching. You're saying the prayer. That's wonderful. I always tell people, break it down line by line so you know what you're saying. So there's intent in the thought. Anyway, you know what it says after that third step prayer in that big book? It says the wording is optional. Optional. You can say anything you want for a third step prayer. Some people's third step prayer is, fuck it. I can't take it anymore. I'll do anything you say. That's a very valid third step prayer. 
And I will tell you in the last 35 years, I have seen more of those guys stay sober than the ones that come in and memorize it because their sponsor told them to. Then after looking at that third step and seeing those lines, I go to the fourth step and I'm thinking, man, I've seen this. Lines and columns and lines and columns. I know that's rigid. Do you know what Bill says before the lines and columns? He says before that fourth step prayer, the line is, we were usually as definite as this example. Usually, not all the time. Sometimes we do other shit. He doesn't say other shit in the book, but <laughs> if you go to the back of the book, there's a story called He Sold Himself Short. And that is a guy who did a four-step with Dr. Bob. Bill and Bob, equal, equal billing in this group here. And Bob's four-step was you told him your story and he took notes. And when you were done, he'd say, you're sarcastic, you're jealous. He would give you your defects of character. I've done it. Try that one. I mean, if you're brand new and you're around here, great. Do the lines and columns. We'll give you a pat on the back. Your sponsor will give you a gold star on your paper. Whatever you want. Great. Wonderful. We'll all clap. Give you a good report. You want to really stick around? Give pencil and paper to everyone that knows you. Have them write out your list of defects. You'll have a list of shit you've never seen before in your life. I do what? Yes, you do, asshole. <laughs> Every fucking day. Unbelievable. And even Alcoholics Anonymous, they don't want to look at themselves. They don't even want to look at themselves. We're supposed to be looking at ourselves as a group. Have you ever heard somebody say he was too sick to stay? I know you've heard it, right? You never heard it when a guy goes in and out and goes, he was too sick to stay. Really? Why don't we look at ourselves and say, how do we fail that man? How do we fail that man? Anyway, my whole opinion and outlook on this program changed. I stopped being somebody that knew a lot about a book where they claimed to know only a little. Anyway, when I got here, I was living at my mother's. And if it was up to my mother and she was still alive, I would still be living at my mother's right now. The Al-Anon people never got one hand on my mommy. I would get arrested. I'd get out of jail and my mom would say, they're always picking on you, sweetheart. <laughs> That's right, mom. I would be passed out in the neighbor's yard anytime, day or night, normally with my pants off. And if the neighbors had the balls to come over and complain, my mother say, leave him alone. He's an artist. <laughs> it's so fucking rough. And uh, anyway, and how I got to you guys is a buddy of mine got busted on a cocaine trafficking charge. Gets popped. This little surfer guy I know. Five foot eight, curly blonde hair, freckle face, little surfer boy. Gets busted on a cocaine trafficking charge. And he goes to court. And when he goes to court, he says he has a problem. Now, I believe that more alcoholics are created in court than anywhere else in the world. Because hundreds of thousands of us go into court every day, non-alcoholic. We get in front of the judge. Judge says, Mr. Smith, you're looking at a year's sentence. 
But if you were an alcoholic, you could do a 90-day treatment program. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, Your Honor. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody is now, right? And that's what my buddy did. He rolled into court and said he had a problem. We're living in Long Beach. He's going to be rolling up the county. So, yes, he does have a problem. But I was getting high with him two weeks before that, and there was no problem mentioned. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, you know what? I think I got a problem. I'm going to set out on that last line of blow. Why don't you clear that up for us? You know, it was no. It was, are you cutting that even, dog? There were no problems mentioned. And me talking about cocaine is not an outside issue. Just take it easy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's an inside issue. It's going up in here. Anyway, uh, it's like, God damn, you know, they kick Bill Wilson out of a shitload of meetings these days. You aware of that? When he talks about doing the sedatives and the gin, they wouldn't even let him come in here. Imagine that. Could you imagine a guy walking up in here and saying, all you got to do is not think you're God and know you're an alcoholic and then just jump in and do it as many of the steps as you feel like. Don't even worry about it. Do whatever you can. How do you think that would go over in a meeting? Read page 192 of As Bill Sees It. Our founder, the guy that wrote this shit, in a piece called The Beginning of Humility, says, do what you will. Do what you can. How many times you walk in a meeting and hear some asshole say, steps are written in order, made to be done in order. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. How many times you fucking hear that? I wasn't aware that guy wrote our book. <laughs> Not much humility in that. Anyway. I say anyway a lot, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was down at the meeting Sunday. That guy's out of his mind. <laughs> All right. Let's just, let's just go on that for a second. Uh, when are you supposed to start checking your behavior? Anybody know? ASAP. ASAP. Don't imagine these steps in a linear flow. That's how you think. You think linear, linear. Imagine a pile, holographic, 3D, 4D. You're checking yourself on day one. You're doing 10 on day one. Day one, you're checking yourself. When are you supposed to listen to the morning's reading? Uh, could the new men and women please leave the room? We're going to do a morning reading and prayer right now. You're not on that step, so could you please wait outside and vape? <laughs> we have some service commitments. There's a cigarette butt place available, but you don't have a year or two, so we're going to leave you out of that. <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> to fucking alcoholics. Anyway, <laughs> I'll give you a joke. You want to know what's the matter with Alcoholics Anonymous? Full alcoholics. <laughs> That's not even a funny joke, and, uh, but it is true. Anyway, my buddy gets busted, goes to court, gets out of court. They put him up in treatment, and he comes back to Long Beach with this walking crazy hand in hand with Bill, Bob, and Jesus trip. Has anybody been arrested for more sentences than just one? And what do they say? Your time's going to run... Concurrently, interesting. Concurrently means you're doing them all at the same time. 
Bill Wilson uses the word concurrently in the big book. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Something to think about. So my buddy comes back, he's gonna save the neighborhood. Where's his first stop? My mother's house. Stop number one, he's a reformer. He's gonna save the neighborhood. My mother's house, I get this. Hey, what's up, man? He goes, you got a problem, dude. I go, what? I go, what? I talk so loud that we don't even need that mic. Anyway, uh, I go, what? And he goes, you're an alcoholic. I go, no, I'm not. I live with my mom. <laughs> now, let me tell you what was going on at mommy's house at the time. I got warrants out for my arrest. I always have warrants out for my arrest. That's how you pay tickets. <laughs> now, if you laughed at that, you belong here. Anyway, I got people trying to kill me, both real and imagined. I got a girl pregnant. I said, move in. Move into my mom's house with me. Let's have a baby. I move her in. The same time I move her in, I fall in love with another person and I take her to Mexico and marry her. That's what's going on at mommy's house. <laughs> These guys tell me I got a problem. I walk him away from the front door. I don't want my mother hearing talk of alcoholism on our porch. And he says, come to a meeting with me. I go, a meeting? A meeting of what? And he goes, 12 step meeting, come on down. No. He goes, come to the meeting. Nope. Come to the meeting. Nope. One meeting. Nope. Just come. Nope. Just nope. One. Nope. Just come to. Nope. One. Nope. Just nope. One meeting. Nope. Just come. Nope. One meeting. Nope. Just nope. One. Nope. Nope. One meeting. Okay, I'll go. You know why I said I'll go. Because I'll say anything to get you to shut the fuck up and leave me alone. Okay, just one moment of honesty here. Okay, not from me. You won't get it from me. Any of the new guys here, do any of you say stuff just to get people at the treatment place to leave you alone? Thank you. You admit it. Thank you very much. You might even, well, no, with that honesty, you probably won't stay in this group. But... But I'll say anything to get people to shut up, including I'm Jack Grisham and I'm an alcoholic. I got a couple problems with AA, as you might imagine. <laughs> not with the book. I love the book. Not with the concepts, not with the traditions. Oh my God, those traditions. Do you know how beautiful those are? Do you know how proud I was when I studied our traditions? You know, you guys, that third tradition, the only desire is the desire to stop drinking blood. That's what you use that for. Oh, I did weed too, but you have a desire to stop drinking, so you're okay. That's what you use that beautiful tradition for. Do you know what it really was for? Because in the 50s, when this shit was written and the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous, there were white-only meetings. You aware of that? Women were not allowed in meetings white only meetings. This was an organization in the United States in 1950 that says, no, we have no requirements for membership. 
You don't have to be a straight white Christian male to come up in here. We are all equal in here. How gorgeous is that? That in 1950, these people had the thoughts to do that. Anyway, again, anyway. Uh, so the problem I have with Alcoholics Anonymous, we're too quick to get the new people to say they're an alcoholic. And you're claiming an illness that you don't even know you have. Now you might be telling the truth, but you don't know you're telling the truth. Some people can lie without knowing it. Some people can tell the truth without knowing it. We push these people into saying they're alcoholic. Say you're an alcoholic. Say you're an alcoholic. Say you're an alcoholic. But they don't know they're an alcoholic. And do they really know what alcoholism means? I'm sitting next to Johnny Crean in a meeting one night, about years ago. And I said, I'm an alcoholic. And he leans over next to me. He says, you know what you're claiming, young man? Do I really know what I was claiming? If you're brand new sitting in here with us in an AA meeting saying you're one of us, you're claiming a fatal illness according to our literature. Fatal. Fatal means it's going to kill you. Stop worrying about the mole on your back. <laughs> it's the booze. And not only is it the booze, a fatal illness. But according to our literature, and you're saying you're one of us, it's a fatal illness that only a spiritual experience can arrest. I'm going to have any idea how terrifying that is. Could you imagine going up to the doctor, go give you tests, come back three days later, you go, hey, how'd it go? He goes, uh-uh. Huh? No. What? Uh, no. Uh, fatal. Huh? Uh, fatal, you're, you're done. You don't need, even need to pay your bill, young man. Huh? Uh, yeah, fatal. And uh, I don't really believe in God, but I favor prayer in cases such as yours. The fuck? <laughs> if you went to the doctor and heard that, you would shit your pants. But you, brand new, coming up into an AA meeting, we tell you that in a room where I guarantee you everyone in this room knows someone that has perished from this illness. You come up in this room, say you got a fatal illness. And what do you do? You laugh. Go outside and vape and have a cookie. <laughs> you ever wonder why? Ever wonder why? Because you don't believe it. You don't believe it. I've been shot at numerous times before, as you can imagine. And uh, <laughs> stabbed, shot at, burned, you name it. I mean, feel free to Google me. Anyway, uh, and I'll tell you, when you're getting shot at, everybody goes down. Every The toughest guy, they all go down. And their voices go up like two octaves. <laughs> Do you see which way it's coming from? He's going like, it's not in the car drives off. They go, I would have beat his ass. It's like, yeah, Pee Wee Herman, take it easy, champ. Anyway, but they all go down. Why do they go down? Why? Because they think they're going to get hit. And yet the new person comes in here, says they've got a fatal illness, got no connection to God, got no connection with the spirit, say it's going to kill them. And what do they do? They stand like this and they don't duck. Why don't they duck? 
And what does it mean to duck in Alcoholics Anonymous? Jump in, grab the book. You wanna do the book like our founders did the book? Read it by yourself. Read it by yourself. Make your own opinions of it. Don't get somebody's translation that has trickled down through five fucking people telling you what a line means. Look at the line yourself. Tell yourself what the line means. Anyway, again, uh, <laughs> my girlfriend's not here, so I'm running wild. Uh, she sponsors me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, I'm, look at this. May be groundbreaking thought. I'm dating a therapist who's sober. So you and she's with me 24 hours a day. We're naked in bed. She sees it all. <laughs> you know I, mean? I can't lie to her. You know, it's not like my other sponsor. I could lie to him. But uh, this one, she sees, I, it might be a breakthrough in Alcoholics Anonymous, man. Start dating therapists that you live with. And uh, <laughs> get them to sponsor you. And uh, anyway, I got to be getting sober here in what? One minute. I'm waiting to see what number comes up. What number's coming? Oh, shit. All right. Anyway, I go to a meeting with this guy. Remember, go back. ADD swing with me. Remember I told that guy that I'd go to the meeting with him, right? So picks me up and go to the meeting. Now the meeting we went to is the rap center in Long Beach. You ever been to Charlie Street? The rap center makes Charlie Street look good. This was downtown Long Beach. You used to push your shopping cart up out front and go inside. A girl had most her teeth. I was stoked. And I mean, mine are all knocked out too. So I'm not talking on high, right? Anyway. And here's how I walked in. My mother found out I was going to the meeting. She's like, are you going to that A&A, sweetheart? I go, yes, I am, mother. She goes, would you like a couple dollars for coffee? I need 40. <laughs> they got dues down there, mom. Fucking drunks, man. Anyway, and uh, so, so here's how I roll into my first meeting. I got long hair, almost down to my elbows. Little do I know... There's a Jolly Rancher stuck in the back of my hair. I found it on a sober haircut. Uh, let me tell you something real quick about the women on the program. Uh, I have a question that no one has been able to answer, and I've talked to people with long, long, long-term sobriety. Anyway, when did the men go bad? Think about that. Because it used to be the women that were the bad ones here. They didn't want fallen women around our men. You were bad news, ladies. They don't want you around us, men. But then somewhere down the line, the men got bad. I guess they hugged inappropriately or something. I don't know exactly what happened. But anyway, I got a sober haircut from one of these saintly women. And, uh, and why she's cutting my hair. She goes, what is that? And she pulls, it's a string and a knot with a purple candy. And she goes, is that a Jolly Ranch? It's like, so I had, a, I guess I had passed out hammered and then the rancher had slid out. And then I got up and I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. And uh, anyway, so that's how I roll into my first meeting. Long hair, Jolly Rancher in the back. I didn't know it's back there. So I'm still walking tall. I got 40 in my pocket from my mother. And I'm wearing this ragged old pair of shorts. I got a Dickies work shirt with just cigarette burns all over it. All my clothes had burn holes. Cause you'd be smoking. 
and I gotta put my cigarette down because I gotta say something to you. <laughs> Somebody go, dude, you're you're on fire, man. No, asshole, you're on fire. Just bad news. And I walk in that meeting, and you wanna know what I heard when I walked in that meeting? Pride. Pride. Do you know that Alcoholics Anonymous is the only place besides prison that people try to be the worst? You wear that? People in here wear the word homeless like a badge. I was homeless. They wear the word convict like a badge. I've been arrested 187 times, dog. Great, go for 188, champ. Unbelievable. They talk with pride about the damage they have done to those that love them. You ever hear people say, I paid for my seat in here? Really? You paid for it, huh? Let's call your wife. Let's call your kids. Let's call your parents. Let's call anyone that ever loved and cared for you and ask them how much they paid for your fucking seat now called Anonymous. Because I will guarantee they paid dearly. I put a tax on anyone that ever came close to me. They paid for my seat here. I paid for nothing. I took, 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 took. Walk in these meetings, you list this pride, pride, pride. Unbelievable. In a letter that Bill Wilson wrote, he said, we're so good at talking about what ass kicker alcoholics we all are. But we're not as quick to talk about the damage we have done to those that love us. You know, I made amends to my mom after being around here a little bit. I went and made amends to my mom because I want a pat on the back. We were talking earlier. I had a bunch of like the old guys and the old women of the program loved me. They're really nice to me. They cut me a lot of slack, man. And I wanted to give a good report. I made amends to my mom. and I came in and they all said, good job, young man. You know when I really made amends to my mom? When my kids started getting loaded. When the police are picking up my daughter, when I'm dragging her out of houses, when I'm beating up boyfriends. And I'll tell you, you would much rather fight me with a couple of drinks in me and a Valium than you would when I'm sober. Because sober, I am clear and in my right mind and I know exactly what I'm gonna do to your leg. Terrifying. Then I went back to my mom. And it's one thing to when you come in here, it's, oh, you're so important. You're the most important person. Yeah, great, great. First lion AA, you're no more important than anyone else in here. You come in, it's all about you. Wait till you start sponsoring somebody. And then you start hearing your bullshit coming out of their mouths. Then you learn a little more about yourself. Then maybe you fall in love with an alcoholic. And you learn what it's like to love somebody when they're going through the steel. And maybe God forbid your kids are alcoholics. And then you get a taste of what you did to your parents. When my daughter started showing up with abscesses and all this shit's going on, I went back to my mother and I said, hey, I'm really sorry now. Because now I got a taste of my own medicine. Now I know what this is. I said, I'm really sorry now. I go, mom, what'd you do, man? How did you do that? How did you deal with me when I was doing this to you? And she said, sweetheart, I would lay in bed at night and pray that you wouldn't die. When I heard my mom say that, I knew I owed her more than that amends. For the last 20 years of my mother's life, I called her every day, no matter where I was in the world. I would call my mom and say, mom, I'm just calling to tell you that I love you and I'm okay. I'm okay. 
I listened to that meeting. I heard a bunch of bullshit, a bunch of tough guys. I'm a great animal, man. You can't teach me how to be a good animal. I'm an excellent animal. I got to learn how to be a good dad, good employee, a good friend. I didn't know anything of those skills. I judged myself non-alcoholic and I split and I wandered out of here. And I want to end with this because I know I only have a couple of minutes left. I ended up getting sober on January 8th of 1989. Great, great. Sunday, January 8th, 1989. Wonderful. I was around here for two years. Now I hear people say, I, I make my guy do a first step. I make this person thoroughly do a first step before we proceed. I'm sure you've heard that. So you're telling me you made your newcomer, your new person, you made them thoroughly concede to their innermost selves that they're alcoholics. How'd you do that? If I could do that, my first wife would still be alive, died of a drug overdose. My nephew would still be alive, died of a drug overdose. The majority of my friends would still be alive, died of alcoholism and drug overdoses, because I could make them do a first step. You can't make someone do this stuff. There's a great line of poem. It says, pity the heart that's slow to learn what the quick mind sees at every turn. Just because you got it up in here, just because you're filling out paperwork and you're reading a few fucking lines from some book and saying you're one of us, that's here, man. Big difference between here and here. Big difference. You wanna know when I did a first step? I was almost two years sober. Two years sober. Hanging around here, I haven't taken a drink, smoked anything, touched any drugs, two years sober. I'm surfing one day, having a great, I'm not working, living with my mother. <laughs> surfing, having a great day, not a cloud in the sky. You ever hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Sure, yeah. Read the big book. They weren't hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Just had a sandwich and a glass of milk. <laughs> the business deal had gone quite well. <laughs> I'd just broken out my robe and slippers. Fuck, doesn't sound hungry, angry, lonely, or tired to me. Wasn't a cloud in the sky. And what happened to all those guys? Boom, 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 drunk, drunk, drunk. I'm down surfing, having a great day, got some great waves, got out, I go to the noon meeting. I rolled the salts cracking on my skin. <laughs> Excellent. I walk in the noon meeting, I walk in, I get my cookies, I get my coffee, I sit down, I fire up a Marlboro Red. At that time, you could still smoke in the meetings. You know, you told the, who the new old timers were? They had yellow hair. <laughs> from nicotine stains in their fucking hair. That guy's been here since the 30s. <laughs> Just yellow. <laughs> oh, creepy old man. Anyway, I sit down, I'm going to participate. Now, I haven't done any of this shit, but I got something to say about it, guaranteed. I'm ready to participate, and all of a sudden, it's the craziest thing. It's like the old Groucho Marx show. A duck flies into the room. And a sign comes down off the side of the duck and the sign says, fuck you, you're going again. And I had a spiritual awakening. I saw myself, God did not appear, no angels blowing horns. I saw myself, you know what I saw? I saw every time that I had gone straight and failed. 
Every time I'd gotten out of jail and said, I won't do it again. Every time I got sick, drunk, not gonna do it again. Destroyed a car, fucked up a relationship, do this, I won't do it again. I won't do it again. I won't do it again. And I'd done it again, over and over and over and over again. Do you know there's no problem with your alcohol consumption? If you quit and stay quit, no problem. I couldn't stay quit. And that's what I saw, that I couldn't stay quit. And I panicked. And what happened when I panicked was, I thought, okay, what do we tell the new guy? What do we tell the new guy? We say, oh, if you want to do this deal, get a sponsor. You better get yourself a sponsor with time. We believe in it. Get a sponsor with time. Really? Because I'd seen guys get great sponsors, hard-hitting, heavy-cat sponsors, and I saw them get drunk. As the book said, probably no human power could save you. What do you think a sponsor is? And then they say, you want to make this deal? Study that book. Study that book. Study that book. And I'd gone around picking up guys out of hotel rooms, shitting and pissing all over the place, puking. And they were quoting book to me as I was loading them in the car to take them to detox. And then they'd say, you want to get this thing? Get a commitment. Get a commitment. Get a commitment. And I saw guys with commitments die. I panicked. Panicked. And I looked at this old dude. And let me tell you something. All those things are great things if there's been a change of heart, a shift in thinking. Those are excellent things. But without that shift, those things are nothing. I saw this old dude and he got sober in the 40s, George. And I saw George and I said, man, but he's sober. He's sober, man. I believe this old dude's sober. And if I do what he does, if I launch in like he does, I too can stay sober. And everything changed. Do you know when it says power returns in the big book? Before you've even done a third step. When you believe you can do this and you launch in, it says as new power rushed in. Anyway, 35 years later, I'm still sitting here. I fell in love with this deal. I challenge it. I question it. I question us. I question myself. That's what we're told to do, man. Anyway. If you're brand new, I welcome you and I hope you fall in love with this too. That's it. Thank you.